Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pellicone. You are listening to episode 46 of The Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was something to do with deserts. So, Frank, um, and then you forced me to watch at least two of these movies in your mm. journey. So, um, you want to go ahead and uh, tell us the journey and um, what the rationale and the thinking was behind all of it? The contraband red card. <laughs> um, so, I had a movie... Contraband that, sounds like it's a movie that should take place in the desert. <clears throat> it should. Um, I had a movie that was in mind uh, anyway. Um, that's been on my to be watch list for a little while, and that was the movie that I hit you with at first. Um, then there was a second movie on my to be watch list that I've had on there for a couple months that I thought looked really good, and I watched it and I was like, "Oh, you should watch this movie too," mm-hmm. hoping you would think that it was a good movie to watch, but only because like it had something to do with the desert, and I didn't really care for it at all. I just wanted someone else to experience it with me so we could talk about how bad it is. Um, and then the third movie is the true gem of the the something to do with the desert spin chagrin, um, mm-hmm. which you did not watch. Uh, but we'll, not. you know, yeah, we'll talk about that. So let's start with the first movie, um, which is the one that you were initially coerced into watching mm-hmm. through this uh, through this red card. Uh, which is 1990s Crash and Burn. Um, it's a, a science fiction thriller directed by Charles Band, um, who's most famous for doing about a thousand movies for Full Moon Video. Um, some of the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Puppet Master movies, some of the Demonic Toys, um, Trancers, a couple of the Trancers movies, the first and the second one. Um, he's a guy that's generally a competent director for the most part. Um, although he works like exclusively in low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go too much into this because this doesn't need to be a three hour spin screen <laughs> and we got to talk about the third movie for a while. But um, Crash and Burn is a, a post semi-apocalypse movie um, where the world has kind of been destroyed by a ecological disaster and the sun can kill you. Um, so you have to stay out of the sun um the world has been the country has been taken over by this corporation i can't remember what the corporation is called um but it's basically like not necessarily evil but like like a banal evil kind of thing where it just controls everybody and it's shadowy and duplicitous so there's this dude that's delivering some nitrous tanks or whatever to this settlement uh, where there's this TV show that's produced um, by this guy who's kind of like an old school hippie, um, idealist who has this group of people that like live in the studio with him and operate the camera and are on his TV shows. Um, this one guy who's kind of a scumbag that's like his main host that does a segment where he has invited some prostitutes out to their desert compound to talk about prostitution. Um, it's like an expose, but really just as a reason for him to get some sex with some prostitutes. Mm. Um, so handsome young delivery man shows up. Um, the guy's 16 year old and it's very like repeated very often. This girl is 16. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's like some sexual undertones to her infatuation with this man. Um, and he immediately like falls in love with them. He gets the hots for this older woman who's, uh, 
one of the TV hosts. So there's kind of this weird illicit love triangle happening. Um, so you find out that at one point there were androids. I can't remember what they call them exactly, but basically androids that were built to serve man, but have all been supposedly deactivated, but maybe they haven't been deactivated, um, that were part of this, like built by this organization. Um, and the guy who runs the network is very anti um, big government organization. So he's trying to fix something one night. He gets killed by somebody you see off camera who they don't like identify at first. So they're trying to figure out, like, well, what happened to this guy? Did he just fall to his death? Because he gets, like, pushed off a ledge. Anyway, long story short, two of the people that are in the compound, including the love interest woman, are actually these cyborg things. Um, reminded me a lot of a Doctor Who episode in this sense. Mm, yeah. Um, in the way that it, like, builds the mystery and then reveals and then builds the mystery again. Where, oh, my God, there's a second one after they kill the first one. Um the young girl turns out to be this like pro elect uh electronic genius protege who is able to get this giant um i don't know what you call it, like a a mech kind of but it's like a um i don't know like it was used for industrial purposes at one point this giant like mech robot and anyway at the end of the day they end up um killing both the evil robots and they leave and then they're on the way to the shadowy organization to take it down ostensibly like that's the thing and she's sitting all close to him in the car and everybody else is dead so i guess the idea is that since nobody knows that she's 16 they can finally like consummate their illicit love even though he's still acting sort of standoffish with good reason because he's like a grown man and she's a child mm -hmm. um it's generally a pretty well-made movie um it takes a little while to get to the part where the android is starts killing people um right. and even after that happens it still is kind of a slow burn to where the android really goes crazy when you find out it's one of the guys in the compound that you thought was like a human being um and they even have like some doctor who-esque exposition about how they realized that he was the android or whatever um because of what is it like freon is their blood and i don't know there's it's 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 a ridiculous line right um the action sequences are fine. There's a couple of really funny moments, like the main and the main villain android like comes back to life like three times in various states of disrepair after being like shot and then shot again and then shot repeatedly and then electrocuted and finally like hit by a car and then finally killed by the giant robot. So um there's some funny times with him like jumping out, like one time where they're trying to get away in this like old pickup truck. You know what I love about this movie too is and the, the, this is really um, a big part of like 1990s um, future shock type movies like where they're showing like oh this is the perilous state of the world in the future right they always call things by ridiculous names like yeah i mean it's it, it's 1990 so i understand that like digital photography hasn't really become a thing and you know the internet isn't a thing so there's a lot of technology that's about to happen that hasn't happened yet but in hindsight you're thinking like jesus like how like you fucking neanderthals um i think they call a camera fuck what do they call it a a, a video pick or a? I don't remember that but it's yeah, something I'm... ridiculous it's like this 
I don't know, like Bowie-esque, you know, Ziggy Stardust or Aladdin Sane future. Can you take, do you, do you know how to operate a video pick or do you have a video pick? And it literally is just like an icon with the flash and she's like taking pictures of it. Right. Um, Cause they want to take pictures of the Android so they can have evidence that an Android tried to kill them. Right. Um, but it's good natured. Uh, I think it's got for being like really low budget. It's got some okay special effects to it. Um, the fun, so the funniest thing is the Android is going around killing people. And he murders the first guy surreptitiously so nobody can know that he murdered him by pushing him over the thing. But then they figure out that, like, the guy was murdered. So then he gets the um, the scummy host that wants the prostitutes. He gets him alone and kills him by shoving his head up into a light fixture to, like, electrocute him. And the funniest thing, though, is that one of the prostitutes has taken a shower. So instead of just killing her, which, you know, is his intent, which is to kill her, he gets naked and comes behind her and he's like, oh, you know, I'm in love with you. Don't open your eyes. And like starts to like make out with her and try and fuck her. Mm -hmm. And then is like, surprise, I'm a robot. Right, and just yeah. kills her. That was like one of my favorite parts of the movie. Probably. It made me laugh so hard because uh -huh. I was like, like you went through all this trouble. Right. Like, number one, you're obviously not aroused by this woman because you're, you know, an android. Mm -hmm. So like, why go through like, just, I mean, I guess that that's the sadistic nature but the whole thing is that they're not programmed to be sadistic he was programmed to you know eliminate any threats to omicron or whatever the fuck like the generic company name is um but then like some chip he removed some chip which removed his programming to not hurt other humans so now he's just going to eliminate all the humans right yeah so it's a goofy movie in some parts but it's it's got its heart in the right place um some of the ideas in it are kind of cool for that whole like post-apocalyptic setting um, very much ahead of the curve in terms of um, the idea of global warming, especially the dangers of being in direct sunlight without like an ozone layer mm -hmm. in, in terms of like your skin basically being burned off. And the idea that certain parts of the day is basically lethal to be out in the sun and how there's these crazy people who have kind of given up on life that just go out and like soak it in because they're insane. Um, it's really just one person, but I think it's implied there are other people like that in the world. Mm -hmm. Um they all drive like old Studebakers or whatever. Like they're driving like the oldest fucking cars in the world. So that makes no sense either. But especially, is it is it twenty forty nine? Maybe where it happens. I don't know. It's 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 in our future still. So yes, and an entirely possible future with the way that you know we're going as a as a human race. But um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a fun movie. I thought it was like enjoyable. I was glad that I watched it. This is one of those movies that was we we had talked at one point about um doing a a top five of VHS tapes that you always saw but never rented. Mm -hmm. Um and this is one of those movies that I used to see this tape everywhere. Like it was always at the video stores, it was always at um the video clearance outlet, like on you know, like sitting up there with the other like sci-fi horror movies. Um, and I would always look at it and I would always confuse it with robot jocks, number one, at one point, because they're very similar covers. Mm -hmm. um, and I would always look at it and think like, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'll watch that some other time. And I never had the chance to watch it until now. So I'm glad that I did. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, if I was going to give this a chagrin score, it'd be a four. Um, I think there's some things in it that are laughable in the I'm not laughing with you kind of way. 
Right. But um, if if you're, I, I I would imagine that you would probably call this a Larry Gasberry movie. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. In the sense of something that would have been on USA, you know, at like ten sure. o'clock at night on a Saturday or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I think generally worth watching if you're into like that, like low budget sci-fi, or you like post-apocalyptic movies. Um. It actually reminded me a lot in spirit of the movie that we watched for the regular podcast with Orion. Um, well, the fall of New York, 2019 or whatever. Yeah. After the fall. Like, of New York, yeah. Yeah. Just, just really similar in terms of tone and um, the main, the main actor being this like phony tough. Right. Yes. With like a badass haircut. Who's like basically never able to like accomplish anything. Well, oh, badass haircut for nineteen ninety. You know? Right, right. Like it's it's right. it's always somebody else like that's actually doing the, the killing or the saving. He's just kind of there, um, sort of like how you um you characterize Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, mm-hmm. Uh, but not nearly as cool as Kurt Russell in you know right. Big Trouble in Little China. He's yeah. he's he's no Jack Jack Burton. Um. So that was that was um. Fuck, I forgot. Crash and Burn, right? Crash and Burn is the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to be confused with the Michael Matson movie that just came out a few years ago, The Crime Filler. I should have watched that too. You should have. You could have compared. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you think about this movie. Um, I thought there were some funny parts in it. I was largely just kind of watching it most of the time. Um, I occasionally laughed. I thought that it had a good premise, like overall. Um, and I mean, I don't think I differ from you. I just think you enjoy this kind of thing more than I do. I was actually going to give it the exact same chagrin scores, like a like a four or something like that. Um, and yeah, I I just I don't have much to say about it other than I laughed a few times. I thought it had a good premise, but a ridiculous plot, like in the way that everything played out. But the ridiculousness of it is what I thought was funny, um, or at least led to some funny scenes. But I was like, you know, after 60 minutes, I was sitting there just like looking at the time runtime because I just wanted it to be over. Um, Because I just what 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 am I going to get out of this? Like by the end, you know, right. Um, So, yeah, I just don't enjoy these kind of movies as much as you and Orion do. But um, but it was still like one that like I didn't like absolutely despise like in terms of like these low budget kind of um you know whatever you would want to call them yeah. C, like c movies like almost like i mean are they even b movies like is this a b this, movie this this is a b movie is it okay yeah all right um but yeah i thought there was some interesting plot stuff like you said i really thought that the the world building in it like in terms of it being a little bit prescient um was was pretty impressive actually yeah they they make a lot of make a lot of pains to get to the point where they've really built the idea of what's behind this world and mm-hmm. like what these people are living in to then just turn into kind of a and i mean there's some exposition that's poorly handled but a lot of times it's just kind of you know there um and while it takes the pains to show it to you it doesn't take the pains to beat it over your head necessarily which i appreciated to some degree i guess um about like how the world works isn't necessarily like had explained to you in pieces of dialogue like all the time like right um but what is that thing about like life liberty and the pursuit of economic stability or something like that it's like um, yeah. 
that's um it's good it is it's funny um yeah it's um like i said it's pretty pressing i think um it's like this uh literal like capitalist hellscape like that the movie's created you know using artificial intelligence and yeah yeah um we'll be there someday yeah <laughs> you'll Soon. be you're <laughs> i know you'll still be like you'll still be like running shit like in some factory somewhere because they'll upload your your knowledge to like some sort of fucking robot probably <clears throat> that's fine can i just retire to some other country and never come back and my intelligence can just run like several warehouses you'll you'll, you'll well yeah maybe i mean like you mean your physical body like like you as a human being like with your mind and like just take your mind and just like upload it right that's fine okay yeah we'll give you that just don't sign just be careful what you sign in the future i'll sign whatever if they give me money <laughs> oh you're the reason the capitalist hellscape is going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, the crashing permit. It, there was enjoyable parts to it. Like I didn't. Well, I was nonplussed most of the time. It's like it was enjoyable enough, and um, I didn't despise it. You're right. I, I never thought of this as a Larry Gasparri movie, but yeah, it's it, it kind of is. Like it has like these elements of like uh, Rayhausen. Like some you always Jimmy. call him Rayhausen. I know. I I do it on purpose anymore. Mm. Um, Ray Harryhausen. I know. Um, uh, it has elements of like that, like mixed with like the sci-fi nature rather than like the fantasy nature. And um, yeah, this is something like if if it were on, I'd never seen him watch it. But it's like this. This definitely would have been something he would have watched, like yeah, on like Cinemax or something, like. On a Saturday morning, probably more likely, where I would um despise him for watching that instead of like allowing me to watch my cartoons or something. But yeah, there's still Larry and Gasparri movies I enjoy. So this was kind of one of them, kind of. The next movie, though, right? This which, is a no. Which you? This is the one that Frank tried to fuck me with, like by like, I never for for an instant thought that this was like going to be okay um when you texted me i don't know what game you were trying to run but um i never for a second thought this was going to be something that was good um oh it's because you hate australia that is true like i i can't deny that necessarily like there's movies i like from australia it's few and far between for the most part you hate australian movies what's 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 your boy um peter weir yeah i like a lot of the peter weir stuff um yeah. i like crocodile on duty yeah oh keep right. going <laughs> all right so um, movie... uh, proposition i like the proposition yeah it's a good movie yeah when i first put this on my list having not seen any trailers for it or anything i just was like peaked it piqued my interest because it ended up on somebody's like list of hidden gems on tubi Mm-hmm. Um, that I was half paying attention to when I was doing something else one night, and I just like plugged it in because I saw Australia, Australian modern western. I was like, oh yeah, this was this when you were on your Australia kick where you're going to like become an expert on Australian film? Oh no no no, this was oh, okay. very five. I, I gave up on that like two movies into my <laughs> my quest. Um, 
Although I've seen a lot since then, so maybe mm. I really am oh, yeah. secretly on my way. Anyway, movie number two is 2016's Goldstone. Um, I don't even know. It, it stars David um, Gupili, uh, which was the reason that I wanted to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. He's pretty much the, been omnipresent in Australian films since the late 60s, early 70s. Um, he's in Walkabout. The Last Wave, a bunch of other stuff. Um, so it's in Crocodile Dundee too. Crocodile, yeah, right. Well, that that movie doesn't exist. So made a list. That's all yeah, I'm saying. What list was it on? Fish Out of Water comedy is like episode like sixteen of the primary podcast or something. Long time ago. Anyway, so. I'm going to tell you the I'm I'm going to go over the premise of this movie, and then we're going to talk about why this movie fails in every single respect to live up to that premise or do it justice. Mm-hmm. So there's this backwater Australian town that is adjacent to a very large gold mining operation, and the town is policed by this young sheriff who's kind of lived in the town his whole life and just sort of goes with the flow of whatever you know the more important people in town want him to do but mostly it's just him breaking up bar fights among the miners um who are actually there's only like for this giant mining operation there's like i just realized like three dudes that play the miners (laughs) so they only have like three employees apparently they're always either at the brothel or the bar which is the same thing yeah so anyway so one day this um this guy comes into town um, drunk he gets pulled over by the sheriff uh the sheriff takes takes the guy in and puts him in the drunk tank he's a um aboriginal people i don't know like what the proper term for that is but anyway um he's a, a native of the area and finds out that he's a a police officer a federal federal officer so that guy jay is in town to investigate the disappearance of a young Chinese girl in the area, which I've come to realize there's never any actual explanation for why they know that specific Chinese girl was there, Mm -hmm. except he happens to have a picture of this Chinese girl. Right. And that's it. So already like, I'm like looking back and thinking how much this is even worse than what I thought it was when I was (laughs) fucking bored as shit watching it. So the town is run by a combination of like the unctuous, weaselly guy that's the manager of the mining company. Um, and then this woman who I swear to God is only cast because she looks kind of like Sally Struthers and they can make a joke <laughs> about her um, adopting, what, are the, what does she call him? What, what, what do they call that? The sponsor? sponsor a like an african baby thing or whatever that's Sally. oh right yeah that is sally struthers yeah i i I really think because they make a joke later that the guy's jay is in her house and he's like oh there's your grandchildren she's like oh no i can't have kids those are my sponsored babies or whatever right yeah um adopt a child or whatever yeah adopt a child the the whole time i was thinking like man this woman looks like sally struthers that's funny like that yeah i can see that like now that you say it i actually thought it was like look like a uh, Beverly D'Angelo. Mm. When I was watching it, shows where our minds are. 
you're in a better place. <laughs> um, <sighs> I really hate to even talk about this movie. So the premise is that Jay is on the trail of like these this missing woman, and it turns out that there's Asian prostitutes that are flown in from China or wherever um, into this town for small periods of time to work at this brothel to keep the miners occupied and happy. And then they're flown out again and they're basically being sex trafficked by, they hold their passports and threaten to reveal their, you know, secrets to them or whatever. Um, or reveal, reveal the secrets of their prostitution to their families. So it kind of keeps them quiet. The, I got to look this cop's name up because Josh, Josh okay. Waters. Yeah. And then, J- or which one are you talking about? The, uh, the, no, I know Jay. No, okay. Jay is the Aboriginal. Jay Swan, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Josh kind of vacillates between being on the side of the corrupt politicians and businessmen and being on the side of justice because Jay says something like, you don't know nothing about justice. And then Josh is like, oh, I'm, I'm a righteous man. And then they're like, hey, here's $50,000. He's like, oh, get out of here, Aborigine. Like, go back to where you came. This isn't your place. Um, so, of course, there's corruption. Of course, there's... They're trying to steal the land from the Aboriginal people that live there. And then right. David Gupilli gets murdered for no reason because he is the elder of the the area and he opposes this expansion of the mine and then there's some weird biker gang that they really aren't bikers. They're just kind of like bikers in, in trucks because nobody can have a motorcycle, I guess, or they didn't have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try to kill Josh because Josh is asking too many questions and falls in love with one of the Chinese prostitutes. But maybe he doesn't because it's implied that Josh just comes and has sex with prostitutes all the time. Um anyway there's a lot of bad shit like happening here and it doesn't nothing's really like connected they'll start to explain something and they'll kind of just like move away from it quickly um because they run out of time or whatever Mm -hmm. but ultimately josh finds a conscience and him and jay go to rescue the prostitutes from the mining compound which is like five little portable buildings arranged in a square that's actually the best scene of the movie when they're doing Mm the um heat slash what was you you compared something else that was good uh, uh compared to that true detective um la confidential yeah it really is very la confidential-esque yeah. the way that it shot yeah. so yeah it's when um yeah when bud and um uh actually like at the end go to that like secluded uh house or whatever yeah like, the house yeah, yeah. mm-hmm um so they end up rescuing the prostitutes and then there's never but did they really because it never reveals whether they're actually rescued or not i mean i guess they are um and they share a beer at the end and you find out that josh is gonna like go be a cop in some other place because he's got to get out of goldstone or whatever so it's not that it's not even really worth talking about because the premise itself the idea of the missing girl and the detective who seems like an outsider but is really like from the same area just from the distant past and the whole corruption like all of those angles are fine and it would make like a fine thriller except that 
every motherfucker in this whole movie is just asleep the entire time. Like no one is investing any energy or effort into their performance. The writing is the laziest crap. Like there's no there's just no urgency to anything and because of that it meanders along and then it never actually gets anywhere so yeah there's all kinds of plot lines that are never like truly tied up and so you don't really get like good closure or like satisfaction from watching this movie um yeah because with the plot if it was like well acted you could have overlooked some of those inconsistencies and if the guy I mean, you, you you pointed this out when we talked about it over text or whatever on the phone the other night that the guy really is just like aping several other director's styles and stealing like directly from different movies, yeah. but without like any real purpose or context to it. So nothing ever feels interconnected or worth watching. It, it feels like every scene feels like it's like of a different universe at times. Like it's not I mean, all like the same story that's being told visually. Like we've we've talked a number of times about how much I love like the setting of the desert. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, there's a certain romanticism to it. This is one of the few movies that has made me not care about the desert at all. <laughs> like, I don't find it to be well filmed or well shot. Like there's no beauty to it. It's just really boring. They don't really capture like the majesty of the open space or like the gigantic like open blue sky or the you know the mountains or anything you know they're just basically like well that de desert's gonna gonna fucking kill you like bad bad news the desert and then oh here's here's well, some... that's the thing is like i think one of the reasons i don't like the desert probably is because of the idea of just the emptiness and the possibility of danger in different ways and it's like but it doesn't even capture that aspect of the of the desert Right, it's just it like the desert just just is there as like a background. There's there's this hilarious scene that goes on for um I don't know, like maybe like like four or five minutes to, in total, where Jay is following the mysterious trail of this missing Chinese lady, but it's like he finds this hairpin. And then, like, this dude just throws her passport at him. So he finds <laughs> the dude. Right. And he's like, oh, it was up in them hills. And then there's Jay, like, wandering around the hills, like, tracking her down until he finds this skeleton just randomly out in the middle of the desert. And it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, that discovery could have been really cool. Or, you know, I'd, sure. I'll, we'll, we'll harken back to a movie that you and I both enjoyed very much, which is um, Wind River, mm -hmm. which we talked about, I, I think, on we talked about how good it was on the last podcast maybe a few yeah two or three podcasts ago yeah you, um, you, talk, you talked about it like mostly so they it's it's a similar situation where they're discovering the body of this woman who's you know who's died and it's it's sad and it's heartfelt and it's uncomfortable and tense and it like shows these things happening you know it shows this discovery and makes you actually feel something for this character that doesn't even exist in the context of the movie at this time mm -hmm. because it's just a dead body right. and here you know like what the character is and that she's dead and pretty much like why she's dead and it's just kind of funny it's just this like 
number one, they have her die in the most uncomfortable position with like her butt in the air and her face in the ground. Um, like the skeletons, like all awkwardly posed. Mm-hmm. And he finds the second, uh, what's it called? Hair clip like next to it. Right. Just, just so you know, that right. this dead body is definitely the dead yeah. body of this Asian woman. It's just like the hair clip that I that I have. Right. So anyway, so just really it's, poorly acted. Yeah, and 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 the other thing about that scene, like now that you mention it, is one of one of the script writing tropes that this keeps falling back on. Now that I think about it, all the time is Jay's just always following somebody else. Yeah. Like, there is nothing actually proactive about your main character, Jay. He's just a drunk who just follows people around. Yeah, he's, he's, he's sad and he likes to drink. And There's, like, nothing dynamic about that character. There's nothing dynamic about anybody in this movie, like, really. But it's like, there's certainly, as your main, main protagonist, there's nothing dynamic about the Jay character at all. He's not really sad. He's just kind of, like taciturn or whatever i don't know like there's there's really nothing to him right anyway so i don't want to talk about this movie anymore but it's a really boring movie i've seen it recommended on a couple of lists at this point since i put it on my initial list no idea why people think this movie is good i mean um, it's, it's got good ratings man it's like on Ron tomatoes it's like something like 77 percent from critics or something and like 71 from audience so 76 and 71 yeah yeah, that um, makes no that makes no sense. Yeah. So as some fair warning, if you see it recommended somewhere or you see good ratings for it, um, and you come across it on Tubi and you think like, oh, I think I want to watch this, don't waste your time. Definitely not worth watching. Um and did you know this is a sequel? Like tech kind of? So like, what? A movie from 2013 called Mystery Road, which is about the J character. Um I'm assuming now that I've like seen it is that it's whatever gets referenced early on, like about his past or whatever. Like, oh, it gets know. referenced numerous times. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's what it's referencing. Is this movie? Well, I guess so. In Jay's past, at one point, like he broke up a some sort of crime ring in another mm-hmm. city, and he ended up murdering. I guess murdering isn't the right word when you're doing it in the course of like the law but he ended up killing five people by himself like mm-hmm. basically taking down this whole group of people that were criminals like without any help from anyone else so yeah that's um, that's exactly what this movie is about just like glancing at the at the synopsis of it <clears throat> so this is jay's second appearance he also goes on to be in a television show based on this universe too apparently really yep um called mystery road um, yeah. well that's a really bad name for a show we're in a movie yeah yeah um so if this were the chagrin movie this would be a solid seven yeah um i didn't hate it in the way that it was like overtly like aggressively troublesome to me but i also had nothing that i liked about it so it just kind of sat there. Although I will give it this: the shootout scene that lasts for about five minutes when they're in the mining camp thing mm-hmm. is actually pretty well filmed and has some good, um, good tense moments and some good action to it. It does a yeah, good job sure. of like building, and I think that whenever you have two people with guns like popping around corners, you know, I point out like the Miami Vice remake from mm-hmm. 
10 years ago or whatever i mean because it happens in all these movies um like that's always kind of a like a like a cheap pop moment um yeah yeah i i I would probably put it a seven too i really did try to give this movie uh, like time to build in the first half hour without judging it too much but there is just a certain point where the almost like amateurishness of the acting and storytelling becomes like unbearable because there's potential there like there's a lot of potential i think with that to some degree um like you referenced like it could be a good thriller it's like for to me it feels like it would have been a maybe like a good episode of justified or something like that like i don't think there's a lot of depth to it where it's like you could probably do it in 50 minutes um when you really boil down the story but it's like there's there's some good elements of the guy coming back to like you know where he grew up and you know coming off his own like kind of like traumatic like incident and he's drinking and blah blah and like you know there's this like corruption going on in the small place all of it has the elements of like something like pretty solid and it's just it goes on for so long and you didn't even talk about the music either there's music just constantly playing in this movie this kind of like 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 melancholy dopey music Hmm. that just they kind of like me like it it forces the movie even more to kind of just feel like it's just meandering along like and as you said it's like over top of people talking all the time like it is just awful and it becomes a certain point where you're just you get so frustrated watching this movie um because nothing is happening and anything that is happening is strung over the course of like every everything that is actually a plot point that matters is like stretched over like a five minute period and it's just nearly unbearable except for it's not like that bad like to where it's like it's unbearable but it's like it's just like I don't know. It caused a lot of like almost like tension and anxiety in me watching it. I did not yeah. like the experience of it, <laughs> and not in a good way. Tension and anxiety, <laughs> like not in a good way. Like not not in a not in a good way. Like I want <laughs> thriller. It was in a bad way where it's just, like I just want this to like stop. <laughs> yeah, I did not like this. Um, I might even go even like a little higher, like an eight or something like that, because I really, after a while, disliked watching this movie. Yes, me too. So, yeah. This movie you did not watch, and I'm assuming that you did so on purpose. um, I did. So you could you could get the get the experience of it fresh. Yep. Um The Spencer Grimm movie for this week is the third to last buddies movie that i need to watch um in my quest to watch all the buddies films and we're going to be talking this evening about treasure buddies which is 2017 maybe nah 2012 2012 um taking place in the expansive buddies universe um actually is probably the most story driven and most like a real person movie out of all the buddies films i've seen Hmm. um so it opens with the generic buddies plot device of two (laughs) other talking creatures 
talking to each other about their experience with the buddies. Um, in this case, it's two monkeys um, who are vaguely racist um, characters. They are saying, they say, um, assalamu alaikum to each other. Um, so it actually, I will point out that this is the first buddies movie that's even acknowledged that other religions than Christianity exist <laughs> um, and actually portray uh, non-white characters in a positive light so that's a plus um and so one of these monkeys oh malik patroli is is voicing one of these monkeys he played yeah. jack donaghy's um assistant on 30 rock oh well <laughs> anyway so it's uh bobby and babu are the names of these monkeys and bobby is this older monkey who has a reputation for exaggeration. So Babu has come, has, has left Oregon Grinder College to come and study under the tutelage of Bobby. And Bobby is like, hey, did I ever tell you about the time that um, I helped the, the, the buddies, I don't know, whatever, like save the great lost treasure of Cleopatra? Mind you, it's Cleopatra, not Cleopatra, but we'll get to that. Gotcha. And, ba and Babu's like, oh, Uncle Bobby, I've been told you're a liar. And he's like, no, now listen. So here's the story of that. So 40 years ago, um, this man and his dog are exploring uh, these lost ruins in Egypt. And they find in an, an homage to Indian, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm -hmm. um, they find this half of a disc like sitting on this pedestal and so the guy is like oh this is half of the disc of cleocatra that leads to the lost tomb of cleocatra and this is a amazing archaeological find mm -hmm. um the dog is a golden retriever by the way i can't remember what his name is but it's it's revealed later this is air buds like grandfather okay um or great uncle or something. There, there, there's some relation there, but but I can't. Uh -huh. So the temple starts to collapse around him, and the guy's like, "Oh my god, we got to get out of here!" And the dog's like, "No, I'm going to save this thing." And he's like, "No, don't save it." But then the dog saves it, and then they get away. So fast forward forty years, and the guy is now an old man, um, retired. Uh, is played by Richard Real, you know, who has been in like, I don't know, shitload of things. I think it's how you say his last name, right? Real? Real? R-I-R-I-E-H-L-E. Sounds right. I don't know how um, person. Okay. Really? You, well, if, if you look at a picture of that man, you've seen that man in many, okay. many things. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's. Yeah. He's the grandfather of Mudbud's owner. So <laughs> Okay. Edward Herman, you know, got old, um Richard Gilmore tree of everything like going on. Richard Gilmore himself. Yeah. Comes in with his hairless fucking whatever they're called, cat. I almost says skinless. That would be a much more horrifying buddies movie. Right. Um, hairless cat and says, Hey, you know, you're the famous archaeologist, you know, Thomas Howard. <coughs> I have something you might be interested in. 
and he pulls out the other part of the disc of Cleopatra, and Richard Real is like, oh my god, like, my whole life I've been searching for this, you know, but I can't, like, I'm, I'm an old man, I'm retired, you know, I, I can't go on adventures anymore, and Richard Gilmore is like, hey, this has been your whole life's work is to get this, like, you should just come with me and we'll discover this treasure together. And he's like, but I got to take my grandson camping. And Edward Herman's like, well, bring your grandson along, but leave that dog at home because my cat's allergic to dogs. So they're setting <laughs> it up right now, right? Mm -hmm. So Mudbud gets told that he's not allowed to go on this adventure. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't trust this shit. So he rounds up the other buddies and he's like, listen, something's up with this guy that's taken my owner you know, on this adventure to Egypt, I think we need to follow him. So all the buddies um, sneak aboard the plane that is taking them to Egypt inside an explosives box. So hearkening back to Snow Buddies, or maybe foreshadowing Snow Buddies, because I don't really know the chronology here. Um, but they hide inside. They hide inside the box, and they get loaded into the airplane, um, and then get taken go on the adventure to go to Egypt. Mm -hmm. But you find out that the cat is really evil, and she knows that if she gets the lost necklace of Cleopatra, that she can rule all the cats in the world, and she can banish dogs forever, <laughs> because she hates dogs. I love it. So here's the setup. So they get to Egypt, right? Uh -huh. And Richard Reel and the kid, um, Mason Cook is the actor's name, but Mudbud's owner, um they're walking around the bazaar and bobby like tries to steal um edward herman's pocket watch but the cat chases him off and then he does steal something else i can't remember what he, he's basically a little asshole bobby um so the little kid falls in love with this bedouin girl that he meets like they make eyes at each other and they wave and they talk to each other and he says assalamu alaikum and she's like oh ha, ha, ha. Well, salam. and then he's like oh i don't do you speak english because that's all i know and then she like just stares at him and he says something else and she's like you have called me a cucumber ha 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 and he's like i didn't know you spoke english she's like yeah i know english <laughs> um so then her father's like come on we gotta go uh so then in exposition talking to, to his cat um, you find out that um, Richard Gilmore just wants to use uh, the grandfather to find the lost lost tomb of Cleopatra, and then he's just going to kill him, and he's going to hmm. kill the kid too. Hmm. So stakes are high, right? Yeah, that's the evil guy. Yeah. Yeah. So then the buddies get pushed out of the plane in this box of explosives, and of course, of course, um, Butterball is hungry, so. <laughs> right he eats a block of c4 and he's like i think this is cheese and they're like yeah that's probably not cheese he's like no i think it's cheese i think it's that stinky cheese that you have to acquire a taste for so he eats it so then all of a sudden um rosebud the girl is like hey those are explosives so fucking rosebud could read the entire time and knew what it was and just fucking let Right, but Butterball eat this block of C4 because she, what she thought it was funny. So then <laughs> Richard Herman, he's got these two um, Arabic henchmen, uh, Sati and Tariq. 
and they come to get the explosives off the the they I'm sorry they come to take the explosives off the plane because they're on the on the plane and the and there's like five dogs inside this but they're just picking up carrying around whatever so then rosebud's like butterball you need to do your thing to get us out of this so of course butterball farts and it chases away the two arabic henchmen and then the buddies get out of the crate and now they're in this arabic um village or whatever Mm -hmm. so the premise is that they're separated because they're trying to find the grandfather and the kid Mm -hmm. grandfather and the kid don't realize that they're in mortal danger edward herman just wants to get them out in the desert so they can find the lost tomb of cleocatra so the buddies meet up with a camel who's being sold um on the black on like the open market by this guy but she was kidnapped from her tribe who's actually with the bedouin girl and her father like they all belong to the same tribe and the camels are part of that tribe but she got stolen by this dude and now this dude's trying to sell her okay so she makes friends with the buddies and she's like hey stay with me overnight and then the monkey is like well what are you guys looking for and they're like oh we're looking for um mudbud's owner and he's like oh i saw them He's like, I'll take you to him, but I need something in exchange. And I'm like, oh, what do you want? And he looks over at B-Dog, and he's like, I want that necklace. Because, you know, B-Dog, he's got a gold chain that's got, like, a diamond B. Oh, shit. He's like, like, you want my blang? You can't take my blang? And Rosebud's like, B-Dog, this is for the greater good. Just give it to him. We got to find whatever his name is, um, Pete or whatever. And so they force B-Dog to give up the one thing that makes him unique among the other buddies which uh-huh. is his, his bee necklace he has to give it up so then for the rest of the movie beetle got his necklace on so you can't really tell him apart well no that's not true because everybody else has an identifying feature mm-hmm. so b-dog just becomes the one bland dog uh-huh. um i wish i could remember more things that b-dog said because it's pretty egregious in this movie <laughs> um it was that was already pretty egregious <laughs> Yeah, he does call it blang. <laughs> oh, um, boy. Anyway, so the monkey's like, okay, I'll take you to him. So then in the middle of the night, um, I want to tell you that the whole MacGuffin of this movie is that when you put the two halves of Cleocatra's disc together, mm-hmm. they solve every single puzzle that exists in the movie. <laughs> like, if you get to a place... And you uh-huh. use that disc, it's going to give you some hint that's going to take you to the next place. Mm-hmm. But the answer to the next place is you just got to use that disc. So the first thing that happens is they use the disc and they put it onto this um, this monument and they turn it and it pops open this thing that gives them like whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it gives them like some map or some shit. So then there's some ancient rhyme. And you know what really pisses me off about these movies is that everything that would rhyme in whatever Sanskrit or whatever fucking language the Egyptians like wrote in uh-huh. or hieroglyphics, I guess, like Egyptian maybe. Yeah, yeah. That would be hieroglyphics. When you when you translate it, it rhymes in English. Which that's not true. <laughs> but like everything is always like rhyming in English. So there's this fucking rhyme. That's, that's what pisses you off about these. Yeah. Movies. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. 
I mean, that's in every movie where somebody's like searching for treasure out in like some mm-hmm. like like dusty ancient you know sandscape or whatever. Right. Is that there's always some poem, you know, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, like even if you're in old English, that shit ain't gonna rhyme the same. You know what I mean? Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You're right. So the poem says, you know, it's the stupidest poem. It's like the when the moon is full and the disc is something and will light the way to Cleopatra's tomb or something like that. <coughs> First of all, Cleopatra wasn't dead when the shit was written, supposedly. Because it's Cleopatra's goddamn disc. Secondly, anyway. The moon wouldn't be in the same place in fucking two thousand years later. I mean, right? That's the whole premise in Moon Knight that they got to like figure out like where true. the sky would be in relation to, you know, two thousand years ago. And B Dog ain't spinning time back like five. Oh no no no! Years. Listen, B Dog is laying in a camel's like straw bed or whatever, sleeping right now. The the the, the buddies ain't doing shit in this movie until the end. But it gets amazing that when when they really get into it. <laughs> okay. Really, it's just, it's the old man, the grandson, and the monkey are, like, the stars of the first part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, this mystery that's existed for millennia, this fucking little prick figures out in, like, ten seconds after reading this poem. Mm. So, basically, it's a moon in the sky. It's a full moon, just happens to be the night they're there. And they gotta hold up, they gotta go to this obelisk. He's Oh, it's like, the needle points the way, and the kid's like, that big statue looks like a needle and it's an obelisk obelisk and so they go and then they like put the disc on the obelisk and they turn it one time and all these like it's the subtitles say gears turning (laughs) um and so the top of the obelisk rotates around and the moon hits it and this big laser shoots out and points out into the desert what (laughs) yeah like vaguely in a direction of some way and the grandfather's like there's cleopatra's tomb we gotta go and um edward herman is like that's the oasis <laughs> at this point no edward herman's a bad guy also that his cat is an asshole basti or something like that is his name mm-hmm. um the so, name is also cammy yeah cammy right <laughs> so they get in the truck and they, they, they get in their range rovers land rovers whatever and they leave they go out into the desert to the oasis so then the monkey like goes and wakes the buddies up and he's like hey your owner and his grandfather and the bad guy they're going out into the desert to the oasis and the buddies are like oh come on cammy we gotta go so the way they get cammy out of being sold for um it's implied that he's gonna kill her if he can't sell her that day so he tried once and failed, and he was like, well, if I can't sell you tomorrow, you're done. I'm going to eat you. Um, so when the bad, like, um, camel, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for here? What? Trafficker, the camel trafficker. The guy that's, like, stealing camels and then selling them to people. Okay. Um, when he opens the door, Cammy spits all over his face, and then everybody runs away. Hmm. Um so they run into the desert and then now mind you there's a lot of problems with treasure buddies when i'm thinking about it in hindsight the buddies the buddies mo is to secrete themselves inside of other people's vehicles and use that as a way to get from place to place and nobody ever notices the buddies are there 
But when the monkey tells them they're getting in their cars and driving to um, out to the oasis because the monkey's spying on everybody, the buddies are like, nah, we'll just wait till morning and walk. So then the buddies and the camel are walking across the desert. Um, and they are lost and they're tired and Butterball is hallucinating that there's hamburgers in the sand. So he's like trying to eat the sand. Um, so Herm, Edward Herman and the grandfather, they get out to the oasis and it's flooded with water, of course, because there's an oasis. Mm -hmm. So they go down into this like subterranean chamber that's got all this water in it. And the grandfather's like, I'm going to put the disc here. And he puts the disc down. And of course, like two lasers shoot out of it and like hit the wall. There are a bunch of fucking lasers in ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you clean that wall and you clean that wall. And they clean off the wall and like these symbols come up. And Edward Herman, who has been posited up to this point as being like a famous archaeologist in, in the same vein as the grandfather, mm -hmm. is like, what do those symbols mean? <clears throat> so the grandfather's got to tell him like that they're talking about this specific place in the desert and that's where they got to go because that's where they'll find the tomb of cleopatra mm -hmm. so in the meantime <clears throat> buddies are still walking through the fucking desert like doing nothing just being obnoxious okay bobby gets there and sees the vehicles of the bad guys and sees the one that's edward herman's truck like he knows what edward herman's like riding in and he hates um whatever the cat's name is uh ubasti ubasti mm -hmm. um so he pulls out a knife and starts stabbing the the tires of their range rover like he's like stabbing them up so ubasti comes out and like hey you fucking monkey what are you doing and he's like oh my god and he runs away um so then they get in their Range Rovers, and at this point, the grandfather and the kids still don't know that Edward Herman's the bad guy, because mm -hmm. um, they're idiots, and they don't see, like, all the obvious, and the fact that Edward Herman says, like, I don't care about saving artifacts, I only care about getting money for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like the belloc of the fucking, right. yeah. But they so, miss all those clues. Well, because they're dumb, right. because it's the buddies universe, and everybody is um, an idiot. Right. Um... So they drive out into the desert and they got to camp for the night. So when they're camping, Pete gets up to piss and he overhears Edward Herman. Edward Herman is the stupidest villain in this movie because he's literally like just giving exposition all the time about his nefarious <laughs> plans. So he's talking to um, Tariq and uh, Seti and he's like, yeah, so we're going to get to the tomb of Cleopatra tomorrow. And then I want you to kill those two because we'll have no use for them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Pete hears that and he goes and wakes his grandfather up and he's like, Grandpa, they're going to kill us. And Grandpa's like, what are you sure? And he's like screaming it. So, of course, Edward Herman comes in. He's like, yes, I'm sure. And the grandfather's like, well, I'm not going to help you. And of course, Edward Herman's standing right next to the kid. So he grabs the kid and he's like, well, I'll kill the kid if you don't help me. And he's like, oh, you foiled me. I guess I got to help. <laughs> So they go out in the middle of the desert and the buddies find the oasis and the Bedouins are there. So they're like, oh, we're saved. And the camel's like, oh, this is my tribe. Um, and the monkey's like, hey, they were here, but they drove out that way into the desert. And I don't know like if we're going to be able to find them. But the Bedouins, thank God, have a hot air balloon. 
because mm. that's how Bedouins get around the world. Okay. Um. So Bobby's like, you know, if we if we get in this hot air balloon, we'll be able to get up high, and we'll be able to see, and we'll be able to find them. So like, hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> so they get up in the hot air balloon and they start flying up in the air. So then cut to the other group of people i mean it's a very very complex buddies movie yeah cut to the other group of people who are in the desert and they edward herman's like hey there's nothing here this is just desert and grandpa's like no i'm telling you this is where it is not everything that exists is visible and he's like ah this is this is bogus like there's no there's no tomb here. You've wasted my time. It's a waste of time. But now there's a sandstorm coming. So everybody got to get in their, their trucks and hide. Mm-hmm. But the buddies are above the sandstorm. But they see the trucks. And they're like, oh, we got to descend. Like, there it is. And Bobby's like, I only knew how to go up. I don't know how to come down. Oh, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, how are we going to get down there? And Bobby's like, I know one way. And he stabs the hot air balloon with his goddamn knife. <laughs> So Bobby's carrying like a shiv the whole time. I mean, he could just stab Edward Herman and it would have ended the whole movie, but it's fine. Uh So they descend and they like fall and hit the ground and they tumble, but they're all okay because whatever, there's no real danger in a buddy's movie. Although there's some terrible stuff that comes. Dude, all the buddy's villains are pretty, pretty horrific. Uh, They do some pretty bad shit. Space Buddies guy is just kind of sad. I mean, True, yeah. Terrific. Space Buddies is the worst out of the Buddies movies. Like, yeah, at so least really hearing is. about it. Yeah. It's the most boring. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. So there's a lot left in this movie. Um, So the sandstorm blows away the sand that's covering Cleocatra's tomb. And they're like, oh my god, it's Cleocatra's tomb. I'm so excited. So... They've still got Cleocatra's disc, remember, that has solved every single fucking puzzle they've come up against. Right. But Edward Herman's idea is he just wants to put dynamite against the, the tomb entrance and blow it up. Sure. And Grandpa's like, you know, like, this is probably not the best idea. Number one, because this is, you know, an, an ancient monument that you should respect because you're a fucking archaeologist. And number two, because we don't know if what's going to happen if you blow up the door, if we can get in. Now, where Herman's like, ah, hey, you don't know until you try. <laughs> so, Seti and Tariq, they set up the dynamite and they, I swear to God, they like roll out the whole like fuse and they're sitting there trying to light it. And of course, they can't light it right away because every henchman is incompetent. And fucking Pete, the idiot, runs up and he's like, wait, 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 there's a slot in the door. So he pushes on this ancient stone door that they've said they estimate weighs like two tons. Mm-hmm. And I, a little tiny like mail slot goes dangle, 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 like dangles <laughs> in the middle. So then he's standing there like right next to the dynamite and everybody's like, oh my God. So mm-hmm. even, that, even though Edward Herman wants to kill this kid, Edward Herman runs over to stop him too. Because um, <laughs> there's no real like... Um, I don't know, like rhyme or reason, anything in the buddies universe. Mm-hmm. So Pete takes the disc and turns it to the side and slides it in. And I swear to God, it rolls in like a quarter and then the door just slides open and that's it. They're inside. Okay. But here's the thing I forgot about. So when the buddies fell out of the sky, they fell into some shoot that took them into the temple before the bad guys could get into it. Right. 
Mm. So when they get into the temple, there's this giant cobra there. So they found a second secret passage? Yeah, yeah. They I guess they found like the passage for dogs. Okay. So so there's oh. this hold on, there's this passage that they just fell into, despite the fact that there's this fucking key of it's Cleo, it? it's Cleocatra's desk, buddy. Get it right. Yeah, Cleocatra, right. Right. There's actually even a that joke this... at one point where someone says, do you mean Cleopatra? And they say, no, no, this is her cat, Cleocatra. <laughs> Which, again, is another thing that makes no sense in the context of the Egyptian language and the fact that it's 2,000 right. years old. But right. they're still using the word cat as a pun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just uh, so it's like they've been on this entire journey. And it's been thousands of years that like this thing's been hidden or something, but the buddies just found a completely secret entrance where you didn't need this disc at all. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, okay. so they're in this ancient like chamber, and this cobra comes out, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Slither." This 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 voice by Ryan Styles, by the way. Mm. Hey, I'm Slither. Um, I am Cleocatra's like Cobra Guardian. Um, I'm gonna eat you unless you're a descendant of oh fuck, what is the name of Boo Boo Budasty or something? I don't know. It's like Ubasty, but with a B. Okay. Um, and Buddha is like, you know what? I think I'm that dude. <laughs> so the snake's like, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna try and hypnotize you. And you try and hypnotize me. And whoever wins, if you win, I'm going to let you in and recognize you as the rightful heir to Cleocatra's, like, or Budasty's, whatever. But if if I win, I'm going to eat you. And Buddha's like, yeah, cool. I got you. So then Buddha's like, V-Dog. Is there anything, hold on, is there anything that Buddha, this is like a realistic thing, like where Buddha thinks he's this person? No, no, no. Also, never been mentioned before to the buddies. That's it was okay. mentioned in passing, like elsewhere, but not to the buddies. They don't. Okay. Okay. Um. So Buddha's just Buddha's just fucking full of himself. <laughs> so earlier in the movie, they saw a snake get like charmed by somebody playing a flute. Mm-hmm. So Buddha's like, "B dog, lay down that sick beat." Oh God. So B dog goes, "Ooh, ooh," and Buddha starts like saying some kind of zen cohen i guess or whatever like i can't remember what it is but it, it ends in namaste like for every like like offbeat and the snake's just sitting there like dancing back and forth not even trying to like do anything right and the snake falls asleep and the buddhists are all self-righteous and the snake wakes up he's like oh shit you really are the rightful heir you can you guys can go on in you're my buddies now Ugh. um and then he turns around I, and I, I swear to god he turns around and he breathes fire. This cobra breathes fire down this hallway. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this cobra a fire breathing like serpent or something? But whatever. Okay. I can't remember why he does that, but in some way that lets the buddies like go down this like mystical mm-hmm. hallway. So they go down the hallway and they get to this thing. And the one buddy is looking at this like sandy section. He's like, oh, that's quicksand. Which I'm also thinking like, like that's one of the like defining traits of the danger of quicksand is that you can't really tell the quicksand right. is quicksand. Sure. But but the buddies can tell. Okay. So Mudbud is like, well, if there's one thing I know, it's dirt. 
and he just like rolls across the quicksand and doesn't like sink and then he presses a button on the other side and it causes this pillar to raise in the middle that all the buddies can run across um so then then they go into the next room and the next room is shit what's in that room there's some danger but all they got to do is push another button and it gets them out of that danger Hmm. so then the third room they go into is filled with carnivorous scarab beetles and again all they have to do is push a button and (laughs) they go into the the buttons have little paw prints on them so i don't think it's ever really established you have to be a dog to push it but they're dogs so it works um so then they go down into like the tomb of cleopatra and so b dog who still doesn't have his bling his blang yeah sees the necklace of cleopatra around cleopatra's tomb so he's like oh that's the best bling if i can't have my bling i'm gonna take this bling so he puts on cleopatra's necklace and he turns into a cat um slowly (laughs) and they're saying like are you saying meow and he's like yo dog you want to fight you calling me a cat and they're like no you're really saying meow he's like i'm meow not saying meow 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 oh i want to chase cat i want to chase mice so then at this point the bad guys have gotten in and edward herman makes Tariq lay down in the middle of the quicksand so they can all run across him Mm -hmm. so then every other character in this scene lasts like three minutes runs across this man's face to the other side um at which point uh pete presses the button and the thing raises up again and he saves him so then (sighs) edward herman said oh i'm sorry there's one part where it's basically um last crusade that's that's the second trap so there's a series of um uh tiles on the floor and each of those tiles represents some ancient uh egyptian game which i knew when they said it but i can't remember what it's called now Mm -hmm. Uh, set or something like that i can't remember it doesn't matter um it's really bothering me though anyway so you got to know like the order of things you got to go like earth wind lion something something life and that's like the order to jump across senate or so (laughs) s-e-n-e-t senate that's it yeah so if you step on the wrong one you collapse into a pit full of snakes so it's just pulling everything from indiana jones it can steal Mm -hmm. so the old man teaches them how to get across and they do um so then the evil cat ubasti she goes in and she finds the dogs like the buddies in cleocatra's tomb and she's like i'm the rightful heir of cleocatra's tomb and i'm gonna i'm gonna take all your like i i need to take that necklace and i'm gonna kill you all and banish you and then she does something and all the cat statues come to life and start chasing the buddies so the buddies decide they're gonna split up so let me think how this works so the one buddy rosebud leads them to the senate thing and they fall and get killed by cobras then butterball leads them to the room with two of them to the room with the um scarab beetles and he flips like he flips the 
thing and escapes, and presumably they get eaten by scarab beetles. Then Buddha leads them to the room where Slither or whatever is the fucking cobra, and the cobra eats them like he kills them. So, mm. um, so yeah, so they're killing the. I mean, they're they're statues, but they're still like cats. They kill them all. Um, so Ubasti steals the necklace back from Buddha and puts it on and she's like, haha, now I'm like in charge of the world and all the cats in the world and I'm banishing the dogs. But it turns out that dogs and cats were friends in ancient Egypt. And if you have bad intentions towards dogs and you put on the necklace, um, you get cursed and she, she turns into a statue and she dies. And that's, that's the end of her. Um, so then Edward Herman shows up with the grandfather and the kid and he's like there's nothing in this tomb what a waste of time um but then they find out that there really was like a secret compartment where there was all this gold and uh grandfather is like i'm not gonna let you take this gold because you should have real you should be a real archaeologist and understand the importance of this find and he's like he's so he pulls out a cane sword and he's like how about i just fucking kill you then the grandfather pulls out like a saber from the stash of gold and he's like not if i stop you first and richard herman is like well of course i was the fencing champion at oxford Mm. so so then they sword fight um then the monkey comes in and distracts edward herman and he gets like um they trigger something and the tomb is called whatever i don't know who who knows i can't fucking remember (laughs) Um, but something happens and Edward Herman gets bested and they take him out or no I'm sorry Edward Herman actually wins and is taking them out and is like I'm gonna like take all this gold and there's nothing you can do about it but then all the Bedouins are there led by Cammy and the little girl who the kid was flirting with and her dad and it turns out her dad is from the Egyptian FBI and he's hmm. like Edward Herman you notorious tomb raider you're under arrest hmm um so everybody's happy and they preserved like whatever the sanctity of this like ancient tomb and um the grandfather convinces the guy who's part of the fbi who also is apparently in charge of all like ancient national relics that he should be able to take um all these ancient relics back to what is it fairfield or whatever uh, i think Fer- i would know fernfield right fernfield right mm-hmm. um which he does and then it cuts back to the opening, like, you know, it, 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 it perfectly bookends the movie. And Booby or whatever, Bobby is like, so that's the story of how I saved the buddies. And his nephew's like, I'm going back to Oregon Grinder School because you're a fucking liar. And he's like, well, would a fucking liar have this? And he pulls out Cleocatra's necklace. Mm. And then you find out that he went back to Fernfield and stole the necklace from like a Mission Impossible style um, laser cage. Okay. Um, and that's how he has it. And that's what? it. Yeah. That's Treasure Buddies. Why? Why Why is that the ending? I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. Do you think it? they thought we were thinking about spinoff maybe? Well, the monkey that plays Bobby is the same monkey that plays um what's his name in Russell Maniac or Russell Mania. Mm. 
Russell Madness, whatever the Russell fuck Madness, do, yeah. Russell Maniac Madness, uh, they're the same thing. Huh. So anyway, so say monkey. I guess I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're animatronic monkeys, and then like a real monkey once in a while. Right. Um. So that's Treasure Buddies. Uh. A lot of stuff happens. That's a pretty complicated plot. Yeah, everybody gets their chance to shine in Treasure Buddies with not enough buddies. It seems like. Well, they're in like half the movie. Right. It really is kind of a disappointment in that respect. But at the same time, it makes it a little more watchable because it actually feels like a real movie and not like. There's a bonus. There's a bonus feature on this one on the DVD. That's called Digs, all capitalized for some reason. D-I-G-S. B-Dog edition. Is there like a song? I don't yeah. remember. Huh. I mean, like I said, B Dog is um rapping. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this it's up on YouTube I'm, right now. I'm looking up as well. Is it a Oh, Air Buddies is on YouTube. Oh, here it is. Digs. It's four and a half minutes long. What the yeah. fuck? Oh, this copy. is this is this is uh this is some young little girl like like okay, Digs is like a crib. Oh, like cribs. <laughs> it's a featurette on B Dog. That's the sister from um Russell Madness. It is. Yeah. She's in some other Disney thing too. I can't believe I'm. I damn cannot watch this. She's she's like a real like she's like a real actress now. I remember when we did Russell Madness. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, somebody's got a scene from um. Super Buddies. Hold on here. I don't understand this Diggs thing though, because it's like it's pretending like B Dog is actually like. I don't I don't understand. Like B Dog is not the actor, B Dog is the character. Right, but B Dog is the most famous of the buddies. As you yeah. said yourself, B Dog is the only one that matters. I don't understand though. Like B but B B Dog's not rich in the in the in the sh- in the movies, is he? No, B Dog's like a... family B Dog's family is middle class. Right. It's um Butterball's family is or no. Mudbud's family is the wealthiest. Hmm. Um, I would say Buddha's family is the most nah because they have a really fancy house. The n- nobody is poor in Fernfield. There's no such thing. They're all right. fucking hedge fund barons or whatever, with their goddamn incestuous brood of dogs. All right, so tell me, like, uh, like what? What? I guess what's the official chagrin? But like, where does this rank among the um, the 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 buddies movies? It's my favorite buddies movie so far. Really? Oh yeah. Um, if I had to rank them in order, I would say that this is number one. Um, Spooky Buddies is number two. Hmm. Uh, Snow Buddies is number three. Uh, 
Space Buddies is definitely the least enjoyable out of the Buddies franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell that from your description. I thought you would probably like Snow Buddies the best. That's interesting. No. If I would have had no. to guess. <laughs> no. Treasure Buddies, Treasure Buddies is the most like a real movie, hmm. honestly. Like, it definitely is the one that has the best plot and makes the most sense because it's ripping off so many better things. Um, Spooky Buddies is really funny and enjoyable. Um, makes me laugh a lot. Snow, Snow Buddies has some really good stuff. I mean, Snow Buddies is just a hair under Spooky Buddies. S- Space Buddies is by far the worst. It's just boring and Although you know what, in my, in my defense, I had not seen any of the other buddies movies, so maybe I just wasn't ready for Space Buddies. Maybe, maybe Space maybe. Buddies, right? It's better if you watch it like in hindsight. So maybe I need to go back and <laughs> and watch Space Buddies again. So at some uh, point, we need to sit down and do a buddies retrospective. Hmm. Right. Maybe I just need to sit there and talk to myself for an hour <laughs> on like Saturday when no one's around and i can just do a retrospective on my own <laughs> so what's the what's the official chagrin score on this it's a five i don't know i mean okay. it's a buddy's movie so there's definitely some stuff that makes you roll your eyes but let me say this too this is a movie that has no like subtle sideways like racism or classism in it mm. um it's really the only buddies movie that recognizes that other races exist right? and that anyone can exist outside of like the small cult compound of Fernfield um, who isn't like a wizard or in league with the devil. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was fairly watchable. I thought it had some really funny moments, not on purpose most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, it was all right. Okay. If I was gonna, if I had a young child and I was gonna show show them a singles buddies movie, it would be this one that I would show. Mm. Okay. Nice. So you um, got me. Now you're gonna get me two more times because I gotta watch fucking. Maybe. Huh? Oh, maybe. I really, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if the one's gonna happen. I think you're gonna force it. Spin the deal, bust the wheel, or bust the deal, <laughs> spin the wheel, or something. I don't know. Do we have anything else to talk about? There's one thing I wanted to ask you, but we don't want to go on too much longer. Um, so we'll spin the wheel and I'll ask you. All right. Spin it. I hope it's I hope it's category. There's only four four chances on it, so <laughs> yes. Um something to do with desserts. Um something desserts. to do with with desserts that was that was that couldn't have won any better uh why is that a category because <laughs> i want to type in something to do with deserts and and i typed in something to do with desserts and it made me laugh so i left it and then typed in something to do with deserts and when they both got this far down i was like yes i hope this happens <clears throat> and it did and i'm very happy about it so now you have can to watch I... something to do with desserts can I make it like just desserts? Can I can I use a pun? I I don't. I, it just has to be something to do with desserts. Like however you interpret that, that's always been the case. All right, I think I I, 
I think I know what it's going to be. Okay. I got you. Um, something to do with desserts. Speaking of food, how was your Thanksgiving? That was amazing. Thanksgiving is my favorite day of the year. Yeah. Um. What um? What's traditional in your house? Like for the like the the meal itself, like. Uh, I would argue that it's generally just a traditional like American Thanksgiving. Okay. There's certain things we don't do. Um. So. It's a turkey, um, mm-hmm. bread stuffing. Right. Made what I consider to be a traditional way of making stuffing, which is onion and celery, onion, celery, chicken stock, sage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we do uh, green beans that are sautéed in bacon. Um, so those are pretty good. Okay. Um, peas, uh, mashed potatoes. Um, my mother makes a Romanesco casserole that's pretty amazing. What is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. Romanesco is similar to broccoli. If you ever see it in the store, it looks like, um, you know, in Super Mario Brothers, there's the spiny enemies. Yeah. That the guy throws, the Lakitu throws or whatever. Rom- Romanesco looks like a spiny. Like, it's just a bunch of, like, little, like, conical. Oh, yeah. I, see, I, I looked it up. I see it now. Yeah. I yeah. know what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's kind of like almost like a milder broccoli I, sort of. I lost the plot though. What, what does she make with the Romanesco? She makes it a casserole. So she casserole. does like a, like a white sauce, like a bechamel and then, um, uh, you know, cheese and breadcrumbs and stuff. So mm-hmm. when you scoop it out, it's got like a creaminess to it and like a cheesiness, but the, um, Romanesco itself is like baked to like a tender. It, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's delicious. Sure. Um, and then we do homemade cranberries. So, um, cranberry, like whole cranberries cooked in a, um, a sauce made out of like, I don't know. Uh, it's like I, when, when I make it, I do orange juice and a little bit of apple cider and then cloves and cinnamon, um, star anise and boil it with the cranberries until the cranberries pop Mm -hmm. and then you add some sugar and you reduce it down and it makes like a like a relish or a compote or however you want to call it right Um, that's the best way yeah to to have it yeah pretty pretty delicious it's got like a little bit of spiciness and sweetness and yeah i'm not not overly cranberry but still that's the best way to do it yeah um it's also perfect for when you make the thanksgiving sandwich afterwards because it um It sits on the bread perfectly with the turkey and the stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that. And then my mom makes really good pumpkin pie. So we have a pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. Sweet potatoes? Yeah, I'll do sweet oh, potatoes. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. She makes a sweet potato, um, sweet potato casserole, too. That's uh, mm. the mashed sweet potatoes with like a... Almost like what you would consider like an apple crumble topping to the top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not with apples, but like that crumble on top. Right. Um, I don't know if she uses marshmallows or not, but it's amazing. She serves it cold and you kind of just like eat it. Uh, I don't know what it's comparable to. I mean, kind of like a crumble, you know, like, like when you eat like an apple crumble. Sure. But imagine instead of the apples underneath, it's got you know the sweet like basically what you would make a sweet potato pie out of underneath mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's pretty delicious yeah so yeah we do that they're like mashed potatoes or anything like that oh, I, or... I didn't say mashed potatoes but yeah definitely mashed potatoes oh, okay 
Wait, so you said I heard peas, right? And yeah. then what what other vegetables like green beans? Green beans and then okay. the Romanesco. No um, corn. We don't, mm, sometimes corn, but it's not like a traditional thing. It depends okay. on how many people are gonna be there. Right. And sometimes my brother will make a sweet corn casserole. Um yeah that he bakes that's kind of like almost like cornbread but a little creamier than cornbread mm-hmm. um it's pretty it has good like sour cream and stuff in it probably i i don't know how it's made yeah. but it's it, it tastes good i've never asked yeah um yeah my mom makes a we've always had a corn casserole for most of my life um so we've never eaten green bean casserole like the thing that's got the um yeah onion things like mm-hmm. yep onion straws like crumbled on top yeah I've never actually had a green bean casserole that I found to be enjoyable. Like, I think it's a fairly shitty, like, 1970s, like, holdover thing that... Don't you think somebody can make a good one, though? I'm always waiting for the day. I'm always waiting for the day somebody makes a good one. I think I can make a good one, but it's just not something that I've ever... Yeah. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, so maybe you would, like, like, like blanch the green beans first and then maybe do... uh, almost like a pot pie filling with it Mm. and then put that in a casserole dish and then do like a cheese and breadcrumb mixture on top and then bake that so i would do like sausage with the green beans so it'd be like sausage and a cream sauce with the green beans and then do like the crust on top and bake it so when you cut into it you have like the creaminess underneath but then the crust of the the cheese and breadcrumbs on top that'd be pretty good yeah that it would good. also not at all be anything similar to what green bean casserole is. <laughs> right. right. I think I I, I think, think a much a, a much better side dish. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, Brandy made one of her pecan pies, and that turned out really good. Oh yeah, her pecan pies are amazing. I, I miss that shit so much. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think like other things that people say. We've never really been a mac and cheese at Thanksgiving family. Yeah, but only either. because my father hates mac and cheese. So That's weird. He's what? weird in like his traditionalism of like what he finds to be traditional. But I mean, it, it, he hates mac and cheese as a dish for Thanksgiving, or hates mac. No, and cheese? he just he just dislikes mac and cheese in general. That's interesting. Is there? Do you know of like there's some story there or something? I really don't. Hmm. I feel like he uh, here here are things that my father hates: mm-hmm. butter as mm. a condiment so if you put <laughs> butter on bread uh he's like really offended by that like why are you ruining this bread with that butter and you're like because it's delicious mm-hmm. and he's like no that's ridiculous like you don't need to put butter on that bread um he hates peas so every thanksgiving yeah. mm-hmm. every thanksgiving he has to threaten my mom with eating onions oh we have creamed onions i forgot that's the other thing too mm. so she buys pearl onions like the little pearl onions mm-hmm. And she makes this dish that's like a cream sauce um, with the onions in it. And it gets like baked and then the onions get really soft in the cream sauce. Hmm. Um, so they're fork tender. So you get like, then they become sweet kind of when they're roasted. Um, so that's, it's super fucking delicious. But anyway. Yeah, sounds good. We actually have a lot of food at Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot that you're saying. Yeah. Um, so we've never done mac and cheese. And I know that a lot of people do mac and cheese at, at Thanksgiving um 
apparently a lot of people do potato salad at thanksgiving did we talk about this you did we talked about it all yeah off air like yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah i never heard of that ever. i found that weird i had never heard of it before like last week when people were saying like oh yeah you're gonna have potato salad frank you make a potato salad i was like no at either christmas fucking- or, christmas or thanksgiving i never heard of potato salad honestly i've heard of uh like kind of like a macaroni salad at like christmas it feels like but like- see i don't I, I find my mom's cold sweet potato casserole to be appetizing, but that's more of like a dessert. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you fill your plate up with the savory things and then you switch to, you put the sweet potato casserole in afterwards with like in a little bit of gravy. So you get some of the savoriness, mm-hmm. but you're not really eating it as necessarily like part of the main dish, you know? Mm-hmm. I find like cold dishes in traditionally like cold weather months. To be really off-putting. <coughs> so I'm not a fan of the cold potato salad or the cold macaroni salad at the Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. We don't ever do a ham at Thanksgiving, and I guess that's traditional to some people. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else people tell me that they have at Thanksgiving all the time. That I'm I always thought it was weird. I, I always grew up with people that did ham at Christmas, and I always thought it was weird that... um when I heard people like did like turkey and stuff like that. And it was like, you just did turkey. Like, yeah. Although I was thinking when I was making, so here's my, here's my never revealed secret. Uh-huh. When I, I, I make the stuffing for Thanksgiving dinner and I make, I make pretty good stuffing. Uh-huh. I always ingredient wise, make more stuffing mix than what I need for Thanksgiving dinner. And I have a little like baking like dish and i make myself a tiny serving of stuffing just for me and then after because what i do is i make this like i I put all the stuffing ingredients together so i cook down my onions and my celery and then i add um the chicken stock to it and i bring that to a simmer and then i add the sage i add fresh sage and fresh thyme salt pepper i add the salt and pepper when i'm cooking the onions and the celery but i add all that stuff and then i reduce it to a simmer and then i turn off the stove and i let it cool completely Mm-hmm. and then i do um i cube my bread so i just usually use like meyer's italian bread mm-hmm. and i cube it and then i brush it with olive oil salt pepper and poultry seasoning and i bake it for like 10 minutes so it like basically crisps like toast mm-hmm. and then i put that in a bowl and then i pour the cold liquid mixture with the celery and onion over it and i fold it together and then that gets folded into the casserole dish and then i bake it so when i serve when i bring the stuffing on thanksgiving like it's pretty much done we just have to heat it up Mm -hmm. so when i bake it like the night before or whatever um i make myself my own little stuffing thing and then when it comes out i eat that bitch hot just out of the bowl Mm -hmm. um just so i can get like the extra serving of stuffing because stuffing is by far my favorite thing on thanksgiving yeah and every time i I do that every time i do that i think why the fuck don't i just make stuffing like stuffing is so easy to make and it takes me seriously it's like 20 minutes total of actual work and then you have like stuffing and i can make like whole trays of stuffing and just eat fucking stuffing like all the time and i would just not eat sandwiches i could just eat a bowl of stuffing instead and it would be just as good and probably less calories and so delicious and i just don't do it i don't know why Mm. so that's like every every thanksgiving i tell myself you know what this year i'm gonna make stuffing at least once a month and i never make it again Mm. And even now, I'm thinking I should get some celery and onions this weekend and make me some stuffing, but I just I, I won't do it. 
Just won't do it. Yeah, I'm a fucking loser. <laughs> um, so bread wise, what's going on with the bread? That's the last like kind of like thing. Like, what do you do? You, is what kind of bread do you do you usually have? Uh, we usually usually get rolls. Yep. My mom buys like the bag of the frozen um like the ones you have to bake but they come frozen so walmart sells them i don't know like maybe like 12 rolls in a bag or something like that they're mm-hmm. like uh, maybe like two by two squares um and then when you bake them they puff up and they get crispy on the outside but they're still soft on the inside they're pretty good i don't know what brand she gets um yeah. every once in a while when she's feeling really like i don't know like into it like she'll bake bread because she's actually a really good baker and she makes pretty good like homemade bread this year my my brother lives down somewhere near college park because he teaches at university of maryland Mm -hmm. um he has some bakery near him where he got this fresh baked loaf of italian bread and that shit was amazing like it sopped up the gravy perfect it was like crusty on the outside but so soft in the middle it was so good so we see we even as a child like my um and brandy's like family did the same thing so it still happens but it's always king's hawaiian um oh yeah yeah we've we've actually done that in the past too Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess the bread is just up to the whim of whatever my mom feels like it when they do the thanksgiving shopping yeah it doesn't feel the same to me without like like sweet bread like that um ever i don't know why um i like the i i like the kind of like saltiness a little bit of the gravy like you know and stuff like that with the sweetness of the roll now i'll give, i'll tell you this one of the best things in the world to do is to take like two of those kings hawaiian and split them in half mm-hmm. and then make your thanksgiving sandwich on mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and just that's why you it. get that's why you get two of them right yeah because you split like, it two, two bags like, you just yeah. you heat it up a tiny bit Mm-hmm. So it's not like super hot, but it's just warmed enough. And then you put that cold cranberry sauce on it. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, I wanted to ke- I want to check in and and, and continue uh food chat food chat twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. Um, feels like we have a good segue uh, next week. Um, like like a, a built in segue probably um for next week to continue food chat. So. Well, let me tell you something, buddy. If I watch the movie, I think I'm going to watch it. Ain't no good segue, but we'll see. <laughs> it's in the title, right? Of right. The, uh, of the episode. So, all right. Any final thoughts, Frank? Um, I hope that we can finish the buddies series through the spin chagrin. Aside from the supplementary Christmas buddies episode, Santa buddies that we're going to watch secretly for us, whatever. Okay. Was that supposed, uh-huh. we're, we're not supposed to reveal that? Anyway, that's what we're doing. We're watching <laughs> fucking Santa Buddies at Christmas time. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> but right, we'll, we'll make it. We'll make it happen. Well, you don't have to watch it. You never watch the Buddies movies anyway. I know. I'm saying. Well, I... I'm just gonna do it, and we're just gonna talk about it, and okay. you're gonna live with it. It's fine. Okay. We're all gonna live with it. We're all gonna love it. The Buddies episode. Yeah, I mean, don't look. Do any... The, the buddies episodes get no traction but it's like the buddies if any that's to me that's like the, it's the crown it's going to be the crown jewel of the spin chagrin is is you watching all the buddies movies and then 10 years from now after i'm dead 
um that will be how i'm remembered <laughs> not number one it'll be the dude that watched every nick cage movie yeah ever. right and then number two he also was a creep and watched these fucking i was going back through our old episodes to like like just the the descriptions of them last night to try to find some information and um it's the quick cage was an impressive feat let me just tell you like that's a lot of fucking episodes man that's a lot of nick cage yeah it was fun too i enjoyed it i'm always looking forward to him putting out a new movie and he january has not yet let me down so that's not true um prisoners of a ghost land or whatever the fuck that movie was called yeah um that was no good but every right. uh, and and willie's willie's but i guess that was in the course of the normal quick cage it was yeah, willie's wonderland yeah um uh and but um, a way to massive talent has been after that was the only one yeah is that really it yep there's only been one continuous continuous cage, cage. yeah mm-hmm. yep you got another one in january i can't remember what it is it's one of the um is it the nosferatu one Nah, it's the um, it's one of the westerns. Oh, um, nice! I'm ex- I'm excited for them. So yeah, word. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with a uh, food chat twenty two. Deuces. I almost said love you, but that would have been inappropriate. But deuces anyway. But I do love you. Oh, <laughs> uh, getting confused looking at that screen. Um, I am. Well, you know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>